Well, now that Thanksgiving's officially behind us, we're entering into that time of year when you start to see Christmas lights going up all around. Seems like every night you go out, you see more and more come up. And I know that Katie and Myla and myself absolutely love driving around and looking at them all. Let me tell you, Greenfield and the surrounding area knows how to do it, and they know how to do it right. <laughs> so I know you said this last year, but Myla especially loves the Christmas trees in all the roundabouts throughout the town. We've already found ourselves going around a couple of them multiple times. So if you happen to see me at one going in circles, I promise you, we are not lost. <laughs> but this is a time of year that brings much joy and much hope. I know many people love the Christmas season and the excitement that comes with it. But I know there's also lots of people where Christmas can be a difficult time of year. Each year can be different. So as we enter into this first Sunday of Advent, I want to focus on the hope that we are able to have through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our passage this morning comes from Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Now, Psalm 89 is called a royal psalm, which makes it unique. It shares this title with other significant psalms, such as Psalms 2, 18, 45, and 110, which are all considered royal psalms. Well, what makes a psalm a royal psalm? Well, there's several things that give it this classification. One is they talk about different things, such as God's covenant with David, the crowning of David and his sons, the high expectations of kingship, the special relationships between God and the Davidic kings who are considered God's sons, and finally, God's unbreakable promises. Essentially, they have a lot to do with David. And when you look at Psalm 89 as a whole, it's pretty interesting because there's two divisions that stand in stark contrast with each other. You see, the first half of Psalm 89 talks about and consists of repeated praises of God's love and faithfulness and how he had made a covenant with David that his line will go on forever. It's very joyful and uplifting, which makes the second half that much more surprising. The second half of Psalm 89 is a lament where the author is lamenting on the destruction and fall of the kingdom of Israel. So you can see how this could cause some confusion. What happened to the promise that God would make David's descendants rule forever? How is this possible when the kingdom has fallen? Well, this morning we're going to zoom in on the first four verses of this chapter and how in these two verses they also have two strong divisions. My first point this morning is that God is love. And as I said, when you look at the four verses this morning, there's two divisions. The first, we have the author singing or giving praise to God. And the second is writing about God's covenant to David. 
And so I'll start with the first division this morning and focus on what it's saying. Now, before we go there, in Psalm 89, there are also three words that are repeated seven times each throughout the entire chapter, showing the importance that each of these words play. As, I don't know if you guys were taught this in school, but I was always taught when you see something repeated, it's probably important. So the first of these words is love. Praise is, be praise is being given to God for the love that he shows his creation, to us and all generations. Now this isn't just any kind of love, it's steadfast love that does not and never will waver. Now, when I think of steadfast love, I like to think of an anchor. I'm not talking about a small anchor for a fishing boat. I'm talking about a giant anchor that an aircraft carrier would use. So there's a picture of one right there to help put it into perspective. These anchors each weigh 30,000 pounds, and there's two of these on each aircraft carrier. You can see the chain that's holding them. Each one of those links weighs 125 pounds. That's so almost as heavy as the anchor itself. So when these things are dropped, they're not moving anywhere, and neither is the ship that they're attached to. Picture the love of God like this anchor. God's love is steadfast. It will not waver, and it will not move. If we cling to this love, we will be able to get through whatever life throws at us. Whatever difficulties we face, whatever physical difficulties or pain or mental pain we face, the love of Christ will always be there for us to cling to and to rely on to get through these things. This is the same kind of love that God showed his people throughout the Old Testament, through the covenants that he made with his people. The first was with Noah. There's so much evil spread throughout the entire world that God flooded the entire earth. But he made a covenant with Noah afterwards that he would never flood it again. This was the first covenant that God had made. And through it, Noah was able to see the love that God had shown him and his family. The second covenant that God made in the Old Testament was with Abraham. Again, evil was spreading, but God showed Abraham his love through the covenant he made that he and Sarah would not only have a baby, but that, they would be, that Abraham would be the father of a great nation. The third covenant was made with Moses and the people of Israel. They were captive in Egypt, but they were delivered out of bondage. While in the wilderness, God made a covenant saying if they followed the commands he gave them, that he would make Israel a holy kingdom of priests that would spread his blessing and glory to all nations. The fourth covenant in the Old Testament is the one God made with David. When he promised that he would make David's name great and that he would raise up a descendant from David's line whose throne and kingdom would last forever. This is a covenant that's being referred to in verse 3. When you look back at each of these covenants, starting all the way back with Noah, you can see how each one of these builds on the one before it. You can also see how there's usually a major event that happened before each one. Through each of these covenants, God was reminding his people of his love and purpose for them. And he was reminding them that he would not abandon them and that he was, in fact, a faithful God. These covenants were examples of God's love that the people he made them with were able to cling to when faced with opposition or trials. 
similar to the anchor we talked about a minute ago. By singing this psalm, the Israelites were not only praising God, but they were also making a promise to him that they would make his love known to all generations, that they would tell their kids, their grandkids, and so on what God has done for them and how God has loved them. Have any of you ever wanted to share something that's gone well in your life? I think we've all had times like that. It could be something big, it could be something small, it could be something like your favorite football team doing really good and you just want to go tell somebody about them doing really good. Or maybe it could be something really big. Maybe you had a big win at your job where there was some kind of difficulty or problem and nobody could come up with a solution but you were finally able to. Or maybe you were able to close on a big deal that you've been working at for a long time. Or maybe you've been working on a project at home and you finally completed it and you have that sense of accomplishment. You just want to tell somebody about it. Well, whatever it is, I want you to think about it for a minute. We all have things like this that happen in our lives where we just want to share them with others. Now I want you to think for another minute about how you've seen or experienced God's love in your life. Whether it be this morning, this past week, a year ago, ten years ago, whatever it is, think about that one example of where you've seen God's love in your life and then write it in your bulletin. Talked with Julie, she gave you some extra spot below this point, so you got plenty of room. But I just want you to write down at least one thing at some point in your life where you've seen the love of God. And then take some time, even beyond today, to ask to reflect on this love that God has shown you, to praise God for the love he's shown you. Now, maybe you can't think of a time where you've experienced God's love. Maybe there's something standing between you and God. If this is the case, then I encourage you to take some time and think about what is it that's preventing you from experiencing the love of God. Take some time to ask that God would help you see that he does love you, that no matter what is happening in your life, he still loves you and you have access to this love. You simply have to go to him and allow him into your life. Our first point was God is love, and our second is God is faithful. So I'm going to shift a little bit to that second division I was telling you about in verses 3 and 4. Here we see it shift from the author writing of his praises to God to God talking about his covenant to his people. Before, God's people were communicating to God, and now God is communicating to his people. In verse 4, we can read God's covenant he made with David. It says, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. This covenant was crucial to David, but also to the people of Israel. David was held in extremely high regard by God. He was called a man after God's own heart in 1 Samuel 13, 14. And David was also held in high regard by his people. He was the greatest king they'd ever seen up to that point. He expanded their borders. He conquered their enemies. This kingdom that they'd been dreaming of for so long, under his rule, they were finally able to truly experience a thriving nation that they'd been waiting for for so long. So David was very important to them. In their minds, they thought this covenant meant that David's line would sit on the throne, literally sit on the throne, just as he did, and that it would last forever. This is why later in history, when Israel eventually fell as a, fell as a nation, 
as people are left questioning whether God would be faithful to them or not, whether he had abandoned them, or whether he would fulfill this covenant he had made with David. This leads me to the second important word that is found seven times in Psalm, and that is the word faithfulness. When looking at today's passage specifically, you can see the author is singing and praising God for his faithfulness right behind singing of his love. They go hand in hand. God is a loving and faithful God. And if anyone had reason to sing of God's faithfulness, it was the Israelites. They had a long and incredibly bumpy history that got them to the point where they are during David's reign. Last summer, we spent a lot of time in the teen Sunday morning class talking about Exodus and going through their journey. The way they were delivered from Egypt alone should have shown that God was faithful and that he would continue to be faithful in leading them to the promised land. While they did rejoice at their deliverance, as soon as they got to the Red Sea and saw the Egyptians behind them, they forgot everything that God had done and started crying out that they would be better off back in Egypt. This is what we talked about last summer, this endless cycle. We know that God parted the Red Sea. He delivered them through it. They were able to walk on dry ground. And again, they praised God for his faithfulness. But almost just as fast at the next obstacle, they forgot all about it. This cycle continued. God would provide. They would rejoice. They would forget. They'd face an obstacle. And this continued for almost 40 years. They are some of the most stubborn people in the world. They couldn't learn their lesson. <laughs> but there were some exceptions where they did stay loyal to God. And one of those was during the reign of King David. During this time, they did remember what God had done, how he had delivered their ancestors, and how he walked before them as they conquered the promised land, and how he was with David as he conquered their enemies and secured their kingdom. Charles Spurgeon once told this story about his grandfather James and his faith in God. He said he had a large family and a very small income, but he loved his Lord and he would not give up his preaching of the gospel for anything. One day the cow on which the family relied for, for milk for their children suddenly died. James Spurgeon's wife was greatly concerned, but he said God said he would provide, and I believe he could send us 50 cows if he pleased. On that very same day, a group met in London, a group James Spurgeon did not know. They wanted to help meet the needs of poor pastors, so they raised a large sum of money and began sending it to different pastors to help them with their families. When they reached the end of their list, there was five pounds still left. One man suggested sending it to James Spurgeon. Another said, no, let's not spend just five pounds, so he gave five more to go with it. Others joined in, and the day after his cow died, James Spurgeon received 20 pounds in the mail. How has God shown his faithfulness to you? Take a minute to think about it. Again, it might not necessarily be receiving a cow, but maybe it was financially. Maybe God provided for you financially when it seemed there was no way you'd be able to pay that bill. Maybe it was through God sending someone to be a friend or a support during, to you during a time of loneliness. Maybe it was through God healing you or a loved one during a time of sickness. Or maybe it was God guiding you through a time of uncertainty. Or maybe you were just stuck spiritually and God helped you be free. 
It's a good habit to get into regularly, again, to take time and praise God for the many ways he's been faithful to you. But right now, again, I want you to take a minute and just write down one or two things where you've really seen God's faithfulness to you in your bulletin. Again, Julie gave you extra space. So one more thing as you're doing this to remember is that a covenant is like a partnership. It normally requires two or more parties to contribute to the, agree- to the agreement. Not always, but most of the time. This is where the Israelites ran into trouble. God made a covenant with them that he would make them into a great nation. But they were also supposed to do something. They're supposed to follow the commands that he gave to them and to Moses. And they failed to do this consistently. They broke the covenant that they had made with God. In the same way, we are called to be faithful to God and his word. We are to live lives that bring him honor and glory. We are to be faithful to following the commands that he has given us. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 says, To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And verse 39 says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Essentially, it says, love God and love others. This is what God is commanding us to do. This is how we are to remain faithful to God. Do we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, or are there things that we are still giving ourselves to? Things that still have a hold of our heart or our mind. Things that are coming between us and God. When we hear this verse, I think it can be easy for us to focus on the heart, soul, and mind part, and say that we do love God. But the word all is incredibly important. God doesn't want part of our heart. He wants all of our heart. He wants us to love him with all of it. So how do we love others? It's easy for us to love the people we like and the people we get along with, but what about the people we don't like? What about that person that cut you off in traffic, or that person that keeps driving around the traffic circles multiple times? (laughs) What about that person that talks about you behind your back? Or that person who hurt you? What about that person that reported you for doing something at your job that you did not do? How are we doing at loving these people? Again, it's not enough to just simply love some people. God wants us to show love to all people, both those we like and those we like not quite so much. My third point this morning is God is forever. If you haven't guessed already, the third word repeated throughout Psalm 89 is the word forever, and we'll see why it's so important shortly. When looking at the covenants we talked about earlier, we can see that God fulfilled each one, and that God had kept the promises he had made. One important thing that I think each of the people he made covenants with, as well as us here today struggle with, It's timing. God promised the Israelites that he would deliver them to the promised land, and even though it was due to their own disobedience, it took 40 years, but he did eventually deliver his people. He promised Abraham that he would have a son, and even though Abraham grew impatient and couldn't wait, God still gave him one. And finally, with the covenant with David, as I said, the people thought David's descendants would literally sit on the throne and reign forever. But we know that God had something so much better in store. The big takeaway from this is that God's timing is always right. Most of the time when we think something should happen or shouldn't happen, 
The timing doesn't line up with what God had planned for us. This can be hard. We like to have control. We like to know when something is going to happen, especially if it involves facing a challenge. Last week in youth, we were talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, how they'd been praying their entire lives for a child. And now they were old in age. She physically shouldn't have been able to have a child. When an angel appeared to Zechariah, telling him that he was going to be a father. We know that he doubted it and wasn't able to speak because of it, but we know that there was a reason God waited so long to give them a child. It was because their son would have an incredible purpose, which was to prepare people for the arrival of God's son and the ministry he would have. There's a reason God waited so long for Zechariah and Elizabeth to have their child. In the same way, God has a purpose for each one of us in the stage that we are each in right now. He knows what's in store for us, and he knows that when we face challenges, that he's going to use them to prepare us, to help us grow, or to help us learn something he's trying to teach us. So keep this in mind the next time you are facing a challenging season. Remember that God has not abandoned you, that he is there, that he loves you, and that he is faithful. Look back over your life and see how he has used different events in your life to prepare you for where you are right now. Now, as I finish up, I want to look at the covenant made with David and how this covenant was fulfilled. When looking at the New Testament, you can see many connections with the Old Testament covenant that God made with David and how it was fulfilled. The very first verse of the New Testament, Matthew 1.1, says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I know most of us, when we get to the genealogies, let's just tune out. We just skim over them and question, why are they there? But this is why they're so important. This one verse I read shows how Jesus is a direct descendant of David, who in turn is a direct descendant of Abraham. It's showing that God had fulfilled his covenant that he had made. Through Jesus, all the previous covenants had been fulfilled. Through Jesus, a new covenant, an everlasting covenant, was made between God and his people. You see, I talked about each of the covenants in the Old Testament, how the Israelites struggled to follow it, how Abraham struggled to wait, how he took matters into his own hands. At one point, the people that God made the covenants with failed. But Jesus perfectly succeeded at every point where humanity failed. Jesus is the guarantor and the mediator of the new and better covenant. Hebrews 9.15 says, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died, to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Because of Jesus, people of every nation, tribe, and tongue who trust in him can become a part of God's covenant family. In the new covenant, we are able to receive forgiveness for the sins that separate us from Christ. We are able to have access to the Holy Spirit to empower us to live a life of sacrificial love. Because of Jesus, we are able to live righteous righteous lives and partner with him in sharing and spreading his love with those around us. Because of Jesus, we are able to have hope in a hopeless world. If you are here today or you're watching online and struggling to find hope this Christmas season, 
the season of Advent, know that there is hope. Through Jesus Christ, you have access to the hope in him that you are forgiven for your sins, that he can take your brokenness and make you whole again, that you can experience his love and faithfulness. All you have to do is go to him and ask for his forgiveness. Give your life to him and he will make you whole again and give you hope. The bottom line this morning is we serve a loving, faithful, and eternal God. Before I tell you the application point, I want to go back and reread verses 1 and 2 from today's text. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Our application point this morning is to do just that. Sing of God's love and faithfulness to all generations. Now, you don't necessarily need to literally go around singing. I know that's not really my forte. It might not be yours as well. More so, what this is talking about is sharing with others about the love of God and the faithfulness of God you have been shown in your life. One of the Israelites' mistakes was they stopped telling their kids and their descendants what God had done for them, as well as their ancestors. They forgot about the commands that God had given them. So in our first two points, I had you write down sentences talking about the ways you've seen or experienced God's love and faithfulness in your life. Take these things and tell them to your kids, to your grandkids, and beyond that, to your siblings, whoever will listen. Use what God has done in your life as a testimony for others so that they too can experience God's love and faithfulness, so that those who feel hopeless will be able to know where they can find eternal hope. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your words this morning in Psalms. I thank you for the covenant that you made with us, God, through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we know that we are not able to live up to our end of the deal, God. We know from the Old Testament and the example they set how we physically can't. But we know that through your Son, we are able to be with you in eternity. We are able to find that eternal hope. So I just ask, as we go from here, as we enter into the season of Advent, that we would just reflect on your love, your faithfulness, and your hope that you've shown us. In your name I pray. Amen.